Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit, and we hope that you're having a happy new year. Well, even though this is going to be a happy new year for you personally, and I hope for me also, and I pray the Lord that's the case, we do have a government that is out of control. We have a government that is Marxist in its orientation, and it's seemingly just spinning more and more out of control daily. I saw this before I came up here today to record, and this is from We the Media. I, I don't know if you get that or not, but We the Media is a, um, uh, I get it on Telegram, and it's just, it has a great little, this is just short clips, but basically it just summarizes what we're facing with our government. They stole the election. They lied about what they injected into your body. They shut down your churches and schools. They destroyed your borders. They weaponized the government against you. They destroyed your economy with inflation. They censored and are censoring dissenters online. Marxism is here, and many people just don't realize it yet. And I would add this also. This is just a big country, and it takes a long time for things to shake out and really put the pressure on all points in the country. That's what's happening in our nation right now. Marxism is here. And it is here, has its foot in the door, pushing its way in. You can't help but wonder, regarding Marxism and all of the things that are attached to it, you can't help but wonder about, for example, all these classified documents, for example, that have been found in Joe Biden's, when he was vice president, that has been found in his personal residence, found in his a University of Pennsylvania office, and classified documents are continuing to be found just as we go to air. I think just a, about an hour ago before I came to this studio today, Merrick Garland said, well, he is going to investigate some of these things and appoint a special counsel. Well, let me tell you something. We, we already had some of that with Hillary Clinton. And I'm not saying that he should not do that. But remember when Hillary Clinton, all the 33,000 emails that she deleted and then she had bleach bit and then she had a, an unsecure server that she she is emailing on an unsecure server and she actually committed a felony with these things. And James Comey got up and said, you know, oh, yeah, these are all violations of federal law. But you know what? Her intent was not to circumvent the law. So. We're not going to prosecute her. That's that's how the leftists play this game. That's how they're going to do it here. And we have a Marxist-controlled-styled government. And because there's a lot of political pressure on Merrick Garland, the, the attorney general, to go after and to at least examine about these classified documents that keep turning, keep turning up in Joe Biden's residences, and University of Pennsylvania office don't think that they're going to actually prosecute him. They're not going to do it. And that's because of the government that we have. It's absolutely out of control and it's controlled. I say out of control, but it's also controlled by people who are Marxist. And that's what the Democrats party have become. Now, having said all of that, that's not really the topic that I want to start with today. I wanted to start with the topic pertaining to the IRS. And the reason I'm doing this is because the Republicans have stated that one of their first goals, as a matter of fact, the newly elected House Republican, uh, House of Representatives Republican-led, has slated to abolish the IRS and replace 
the existing tax system with a consumption tax. Now, <clears throat> we're not going to talk about the consumption tax and the pluses or minuses regarding that, but I do want to notice a couple of things about the abolition of the IRS as the Republicans and the Freedom Caucus have pressed to do. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has promised that they would at least bring this thing to a vote. This is from the Washington Examiner this week. They tell us this bill has zero chance of becoming law during this Congress, but envisions simplifying the tax code by scrapping the income tax, the payroll tax, corporate taxes, gift taxes, and the death tax altogether and replacing them with a nationwide consumption tax on goods and services. Not only so, but the IRS as an entity would also be killed by the legislation. So writes the Washington Examiner. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, think about the income tax for just a moment and the IRS. <clears throat> According to the IRS.gov website, the income tax was first initiated by Abraham Lincoln as a measure to help pay for the Civil War. Now, it's interesting to note that the founding fathers absolutely, totally rejected a tax on a person's income. And there are many good reasons for it. We'll talk about a couple of them as we proceed through it. But there are many reasons that they rejected such a tax. So Lincoln created the first one in, eight, in the 1860, I think it was 1863 during the Civil War, and he created a commissioner of internal revenue that levied a 3% tax on incomes between $600 per year, that is, and $10,000 a year and a 5% tax on incomes of more than 10%, or rather $10,000 a year. Now, immediately you can see that this sets the course of the nation in direct opposition to the Constitution. What was and what does the Constitution read pertaining taxes? Well, our founders rejected a direct tax on income, any type of tax on income. And one of the reasons is the fact that the principle behind a graduated tax on uh, income, income tax, is that, of course, the more money that you earn, the larger percentage of tax you must pay, is discriminatory in nature. By, by nature, it is discriminatory. That is, it discriminates against those who make more money as opposed to those who make less. That's a discriminatory tax. And consequently, they wrote in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 of the Constitution, right off the bat, all duties, imposed and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. That is still the law of the United States. All taxes shall be uniform. But the income tax, particularly the graduated income tax, as envisioned and practiced by Abraham Lincoln, was absolutely unconstitutional. Furthermore, the 14th Amendment, which came 80 years later, promised equal protection of laws to all citizens. So that means a graduated income tax violates this equal protection of rights and renders the income of those making more money less sacred, less protected than those of lower income brackets. There is not an equal protection of law. If I make more money than you, then my dollars are less protected than yours are. That is absolutely the case with a graduated income tax. 
Not only that, but the founders specifically warned about it, graduated income taxes, creating factions in the country. Rich versus poor. Is that is that not what we see right now exactly? Well, it has been the case since the creation of the income tax and the 16th Amendment in 1913. That has exactly been the case. And we have rich versus poor, poor versus rich. And the Democrats have always taken advantage of that and talk about rich people being protected and favored by the Republican Party. As a matter of fact, Chuck Schumer just the other day made the comment. He said, we're going to, uh, we're going to oppose getting rid of the income tax and getting rid of the IRS. Boy, they, they take that. That's like war, war talk to them. We're, getting, we're going to oppose that because this is Republicans protecting rich people in, in their constituencies. We're going to see in just a moment. That is absolutely a falsity. It's a falsehood. But <clears throat> be that as it may, that's the game that they play, rich versus poor. We'll talk about it more in just a little bit. Let's talk about the Fourth Amendment for just a moment. This is about, this program is about the Constitution and about fairness. So we'll talk about the Fourth Amendment. The income tax enforced by the Treasury Department's arm, the enforcement arm, the IRS, which, by the way, they have arms and they have more weapons than much of the citizenry does. It also violates the Fourth Amendment household because that provision guarantees the right of the people to be protected from, excuse me, unreasonable searches and seizures. The Fourth Amendment protections were completely trashed by the 16th Amendment. We don't even have a Fourth Amendment today. And as proof of that, just think about for a moment, as T. Coleman Andrews, who was in the 1950s the commissioner of the IRS, as he wrote, listen carefully to how, how he put it. Congress in implementing the 16th Amendment, went beyond merely enacting an income tax and repealed Article 4 of the Bill of Rights by empowering the tax collector to do the very things from which that article says we were to be secure. It opened up our homes and our papers and our effects to the prying eyes of government agents and set the stage for searches of our books and vaults and for our inquiries into our private affairs whenever the tax man might decide, even though there might not be any justification beyond mere cynical suspicion. That's exactly right. There is absolutely no protection, Fourth Amendment guaranteed, for American citizens any longer. And people just go along with it. We just go, my myself, we just go along with it, go to the tax man, we go, and we go and we pay the IRS, and we have to report everything, and itemize deductions and itemize what we have spent, all that, all of those things. We were supposed to be protected from the prying eyes of the government in the Fourth Amendment, but that is absolutely gone. On the House of Representatives floor, 1979, Congressman George Hansen of Idaho, he wrote, he writes a great book regarding this, by the way, and it's called To Harass Our People, the IRX and Government Abuse of Power. He was a member of the House Banking Domestic Monetary Committees, and he laid it out clearly, and on the House floor, here's what he said. It's in the congressional record. The IRS long ago seems to have lost its sense of mission as a tax collection agency 
and with all the grace of the hobnailed Gestapo has embarked on a course of implementing and enforcing social reform with the view that Americans are basically dishonest, uncharitable, bigoted, criminal-minded, and even violent to deal with. The taxpayer is forced to produce the necessary substantiation. In addition, the taxpayer is committed to spend time and money defending his position. He further documents in this 1984 book, reveals, and it's an expose on the IRS, they can invade the privacy of a citizen without a court process of any kind, they can seize property without a court order, can force a citizen to try his case in a special court governed by the IRS, can legally, without a court order, subject citizens to electronic surveillance, in short, make us all tax slaves. And all these heavy-handed measures are still not enough for the Democratic Socialist Party. They currently wish to hire 87,000 more IRS agents, apparently armed to enforce even more stringent, unconstitutional tax codes. And even though it looks as if the abolishment of the IRS will be blocked by the Democrats, because that's their modus operandi, drive us right into Marxism, it is past time to rid ourselves of that agency in spite of efforts to save it. And so we need to support the Republicans, small minority of them in Congress in the House of Representatives, who want to get rid of the IRS. And by the way, before we go to break, whose idea was it to have a graduated income tax? Do you know where that came from? That's right. It's a Marxist ideal. It's one of the basic planks of Karl Marx's economic platform. That's where it came from. And right into the bloodstream of the progressive so-called socialist Democrats. We'll be back in a moment. Now, as I was preparing the, the segment on the IRS, the income tax, the unconstitutionality of it, the, the loss of our Fourth Amendment protections, and incidentally, we've had John Whitehead from the Rutherford Law Institute right on this program a couple of years ago talking about how we have absolutely no Fourth Amendment protections any longer. And we lost it beginning from particularly when the 16th Amendment was passed, the income tax, and when we started having the IRS dig into all of our private effects. Well, be that as it may, I, I have in front of me here an article that was put out by the 10th Amendment Center. I hope you get their materials. They have just a, a great, great website, a great organization. And this article is written by Burton Folsom, who uh, wrote an article. It was originally published in the Freeman Magazine. Burton Folsom uh, wrote several good materials on socialism and its intrusion into American American life. But he has a good background on the income tax here and how our founders viewed it. And one thing that he points out that I, I want to tee it up here for you is that the income tax has been utilized by Democrats and, and by Republicans as well, but primarily by Democrats as a as a tool, as a tool to silence their opponents. And it has been going on since the time of FDR. Anybody who knows anything about FDR and read anything about the, about the president in the World War II period and the period immediately preceding it knows that FDR absolutely harassed his opponents, his political opponents, by having the IRS be sicked on them and 
That's exactly how he did. But that, we're getting ahead of the story. So this is from Burton Folsom, and he points out, during the 1800s, economic thinking in the United States usually conformed to the founders' guiding principles of uniformity and equal protection. That's what we talked about in the first segment. One exception was during the Civil War, which we just talked about also, when a progressive income tax was first enacted. Interestingly, the tax had a maximum rate of 10%, and it was repealed in 1872. As Representative Justin Morrill of Vermont observed, in this country, we neither create nor tolerate any distinction of race, color, a rank, ra- a rank, race, color, and should not tolerate anything else than the entire equality in all of our taxes. So equality of taxes, that's what we want. When Congress passed another income tax in 1894, one that only hit the top 2% of wealth holders, this is interesting, the Supreme Court declared it unconstitutional. That's exactly right. Income Taxes on income, unconstitutional in our form of government. Stephen Field, a veteran of 30 years on the court, was absolutely outraged that Congress would pass a bill to tax a small voting block and exempt the large group of voters, that is, the large group of voters. At age 77, Field not only repudiated Congress's actions, he also penned a prophecy. This is so interesting. Stephen Field, on the Supreme Court, 1894, he said a small progressive tax will be put, will, will be but the stepping stone to others larger and more sweeping till all our political contests will become a war of the poor against the rich. That's exactly what's going on now. It's exactly what Chuck Schumer gets on the radio and says, this is all about Republicans favoring the rich and the Democrats want to favor the poor. That, that lie has been told since 1913. That's exactly what Stephen Field on the Supreme Court prophesied 1913 almost 20 years later the ideas of a uniform taxation and equal protection of the law for all citizens overturned and the constitutional amendment permitting a progressive income tax was ratified 1913 the woodrow wilson period congress first set the top rate at a mere seven percent and married couples were only taxed on an income over $4,000. That would be equivalent to $80,000 today. During the tax debate, William Shelton, a Georgian, supported the income tax because he said none of us here have $4,000 incomes and somebody else will have to pay the tax. Now, that's incredible, isn't it? William Shelton would say that, that, well, we don't have to pay it because none of us here make it. That is Let them tax the rich people. Let them tax those other people. That'd be fine. Well, just as Madison, James Madison, and Stephen Field had feared, the seeds of class warfare were sown, and the strategy of different rates for different incomes was inaugurated. Even though they said at first, well, the most you will ever be taxed is just X amount of dollars, that was all a lie. This is the way that socialism works. It gets the foot in the door. And then it just grows. And what happened after that is well known in history. FDR. FDR and the politicians surrounding him of the Democratic Party, less than one generation 
They hiked the rates to fulfill Field's prophecy. Herbert Hoover and Franklin Roosevelt himself, Hoover himself also, using the excuse of depression and war, permanently enlarged the income tax. Under Hoover, the top rate was hiked from 24 to 63%. That's Herbert Hoover. Under Roosevelt, the top rate was raised again to 79% and later to 90%. Top tax rate, 90%. Amazing, isn't it? In 1941, in fact, Roosevelt proposed a 99.5% marginal rate on all incomes over $100,000. And he said, in defense of it, why not? And the advisor questioned him, what are you doing? Why not? You see, once you get that foot in the door, then the sky's the limit. And that's exactly what these socialists all are about, FDR himself included. I heard a person on the other day on <clears throat> one news station say, well, you know, FDR warned that, uh, you know, some of these taxes are going to increase. We've got to be careful with it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, he, no, he himself was doing it. I thought that is, that is a naive opinion of FDR. Now, after that proposal failed, that is, the 99.5 marginal tax rate on incomes over $100,000 that FDR proposed, after that pro proposal failed, Roosevelt issued an executive order to tax all income over $25,000 at an astonishing rate. Now, get this, 100%. Now, Congress later repealed the order, but still allowed top incomes to be taxed at a marginal rate of 90%. This is this is absolutely an incredible story showing how unconstitutional measures get going, exactly what Stephen Field prophesied. And it was not really a prophecy, but it was a prediction because based upon what's going on and, be, and based upon how people behave politically, the same thing James Madison warned about. Now, <clears throat> there's more to it than that. There's a lot more to the story. And so we'll follow that up. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of the story of how FDR absolutely utilized the, the IRS as a weapon against his political enemies. And that's exactly what has taken place today under the Obama administration, exactly what's going to take place with Joe, Joe Biden. We'll be back in a moment. Now, I'm prolonging the entire lesson on income taxes and the evil of those taxes. And I, I'm doing it for a, a specific purpose because... It's important to see how income taxes are not only evil, but how they've been utilized by evil people to punish political enemies. And this is important to see, for us to see how we have gone so far afield from the constitutional concepts that our founding fathers put into place. And this shows about the Constitution. That's why we call it the patriotic pulpit. But when you talk about the income tax, you're talking about how the Democrats primarily, and it was also some Republicans, utilized it as a tool against their enemies. So Roosevelt became the first president to practice on a large scale what James Madison had called the spirit of party and faction. And what Stephen Field, Supreme Court Justice, had called the war of the poor against the rich. And that was, of course, exactly, and that is the mantra that the Democrat Party now holds. As a matter of fact, if you talk to a Democrat on the street, I had a lot of friends who are Democrats and I talked to them and good people, but they're just so abysmally ignorant about this. They say, well, the Republicans for the rich man, the Democrats for the poor, blah, blah, blah. 
I, you know, I, I think I don't, you don't even know where to begin with these people. It's, it's hard. I think I, I don't even know how to start. It's, it's hard to start on that. It's a, you've just been hearing this line for so many years and the Democrats can continue to play with it. Well, <clears throat> let me show you what's really going on here. With a steeply progressive income tax in place, FDR, and we're back to FDR's period, used the federal treasury to reward, among others, farmers. They were paid not to plant crops. So what's he doing? He's absolutely tilting all the scales in the direction that he wants. He's absolutely manipulating the economy by the income tax, paying farmers not to plant crops. This is this is absolutely incredible. And people today talk about, well, we don't like the free market. We haven't been on a free market since the time of FDR at least. There's not freedom in the market. It's always tilted. And then he paid silver miners who had the price of the product artificially inflated. And southerners in the vote-rich Tennessee Valley with dams and cheap electricity. And he used the federal government to reward all these people for going along with his programs. 1936, the presidential election. Now, this is how politics is skewed by taxation. <clears throat> Senator Hiram Johnson of California, a Roosevelt supporter, watched in amazement as the president mobilized the different agencies of government to dole out subsidies for votes. Now, this is a Democrat senator of California, Hiram Johnson, confessing, yeah, FDR is mobilizing, doling out subsidies for votes. And this is the quote from Johnson. He starts with probably 8 million votes bought. The other side has to buy them one by one, and they cannot hope to match his money. Well, it really is not his money, is it? It's not FDR's money. He's absolutely mobilized the agencies of the government to utilize your tax money to buy your votes or to buy Democrat votes. That's how it's done. In that campaign, 1936, Roosevelt defeated the Republican Alf Landon by an electoral vote of 523 to 8. That's what buying off votes does. How about investigations? This is the flip side of supporters, and that is the investigation of impotence. Senator James Cousins of Michigan, who supported Roosevelt even more vigorously than Johnson had, said before Roosevelt took office, give me control of the Bureau of Internal Revenue and I will run the politics of this country. That's exactly right. That's exactly what's happening. Cousins lived to see the Bureau begin to investigate Roosevelt's opponents. It started with an investigation that Roosevelt made into Senator Huey Long of Louisiana, who had threatened to run for president against Roosevelt. So what did Roosevelt do? He sicked the IRS on him. So Huey Long was now forced to go to court, forced to hire lawyers, tangled up in IRS courts all this time. Harassment, that's what it is. Next came the audit of William Randolph Hearst, whose newspaper, Empire, strongly opposed Roosevelt for president in 1936. And guess what? The IRS was sicked on him also. Moses Annenberg, publisher of Philadelphia Inquirer, 
vehemently opposed Roosevelt's re-election campaign in 1936 because Roosevelt had lied, 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 just as the Democrats are doing today. What happened? Moses Annenberg, the next year, he had a full-scale audit, which was followed by a prison term. If you want to read about this, I suggest you look at George Hansen's book, which is what we talked about in the first segment of this program, and that is about harassment by the IRS. We'll get that title specifically in just a few moments here. I've got it somewhere on my page of notes here, but uh, being harassed by the IRS, George Hansen. Elliot Roosevelt, back to FDR. Elliot Roosevelt, the president's son, conceded as late as 1975. That was when I was in junior in high school. He said, my father may have been the originator of the concept of employing the IRS as a weapon of political retribution. You see, this is not new, what's going on now. FDR pioneered it. But Elliot Roosevelt was quick to add that each of his successors followed his lead. Yep, because he set the president. But the reason he was able to do it was because of Woodrow Wilson's socialistic-style government. That's what, that's what the progressive movement's all about. Got the IRS or the income tax in place in 1913, and the IRS continued on. But this is, this is a key point, and we need to understand it. Once the machinery of retribution is in place, it is hard for politicians to resist using it. That's exactly what's happened. Richard Nixon, a Republican, when he became president, he sounded like his Democrat counterparts when he was described whom he wanted as commissioner for the internal revenue. He said this, I want to be sure that he is ruthless, that he will do what he's told, that every income tax return I want to see, I see. That he will go after our enemies and go not go after our friends. It is simple as that. That is Richard Nixon, a Republican. So it's not just the Democrats, it's Republicans also. If you want to see, or lessen, I should say, the spirit of party and faction, as Madison recommended, we need to avoid the IRS. We need to scrap it. We need to scrap the income tax, just as the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives want to do. We need to support that move. And I know the Democrats are not going to do it, but we need to get a groundswell movement going in that direction. Because if not, it's going to continue war of the poor against the rich as Stephen Field, Supreme Court Justice, predicted would happen. Now, before I go to break, I want to say this. Of course, we've rebranded the show. It's called Patriotic Pulpit. We're talking about patriotic issues, constitutional issues. You can follow us on Spotify. Spotify has this show uploaded to it. Also, Amazon Music is another place you can go to find it. The articles that I write that are related to what we talk about on the program are found on the News Talk 1290 website out of Wichita Falls. That's News Talk 1290. And uh, for the time being, you can go to American Liberty with Bill Lockwood, and we have some of the materials on there as well. So Patriotic Pulpit, Spotify is the website, Amazon Music uh, app also. Uh, that's not a web, Spotify is not the website, I should say. It's an app that you can go to, and you can see the show there. So those are the places you can go to find this material. We'll be back in a moment. The last segment here, I want to look at some more things regarding the income tax. And there's an article I have in front of me by Ron Paul. Ron Paul is a great 
constitutionalist. He was a great representative from the state of Texas. Uh, he still he still teaches on his website, and I hope you follow him because uh, Ron Paul is, knows exactly all these issues, and I just appreciate all the, all the things that he stands for. He has an article, and it's called Trump's Tax Returns Show the Evil of the Income Tax. Now, this involves, of course, Donald Trump's tax returns. You know, we heard so much squealing about showing Donald Donald Trump showing his income tax returns, what kind of money is he making, and you know what? It's, I thought that was so interesting because no one in Congress shows their income tax returns. No one, no one up there shows it. They don't show. They don't demand, and the public doesn't demand it. Democrats are never going to show it. They go up there like Obama went up there, supposedly a poor man. Now he's living Martha's Vineyard, millions of dollars home. You know, these, it's just they make so much money up there. It's just, it's just a horrible, horrible racket. But off track here. Ron Paul's article, he talks about the evil of the income tax, the evil of it, and it is absolutely an evil institution in America. The final act of the Democrat majority of the House Ways and Means Committee was to make public several years of Donald Trump's tax returns, which the committee obtained after a prolonged legal battle. The tax returns confirm that despite being one of the richest people in America, Donald Trump paid very little in federal income tax. In fact, in at least one year, he paid under $1,000. Okay. By the way, Donald Trump also lost money while he was president, but you know, the anti-Trumpers, they don't care about that. But he paid very little in income tax. Well, Trump's success, writes Ron Paul, in minimizing his tax liability without ever being audited is surprising only to those who think the IRS audits are mainly used to catch rich tax cheats. That is, don't be so stupid as to believe that the IRS audit program is only to catch the rich people. According to data released by the Syracuse University Transactional Records Clearinghouse, in 2022, lower-income taxpayers were five and one-half times more likely than millionaires and billionaires to be audited. Why is that the case? You might ask, well, the answer is because low-income taxpayers cannot afford to hire top-notch tax attorneys and accountants to help fight the IRS, so they are more likely to give in to the agency's demands. Now, this is why the Democrats want to hire 87,000 more agents. They're not after the rich, the millionaires, and the billionaires. They're after you and me. So despite claims of the Biden administration and its congressional allies, writes Ron Paul, the $80 million in additional funds provided to the agency as a part of the misnamed Inflation Reduction Act will likely increase the tax agency's targeting of low- and middle-income Americans. And that is is exactly right. It is middle-income and low-income Americans who are the ones suffering on the income tax. That's These are the ones suffering. And Donald Trump's tax returns show that to be the case. Proponents of a flat tax or national sales tax argue that such a system would ensure millionaires and billionaires that they pay their fair share of taxes. But this is an interesting point. 
saying that we must all pay our fair share of taxes assumes that we have a moral obligation to the government that can only be fulfilled by turning over as much of our incomes as our public servants demands. That is, whatever they demand, then we should turn it over to them. That is not the case. Individuals have a moral duty to support their families, to provide charities if they wish. We do not have a moral duty to continue to support the government at the high tax rates that it is under our Constitution, I would say. Obviously, as a Christian, we want to pay what the what we owe the government. Our Lord taught us, render to Caesar what is Caesar, and render unto God what is God's. Unfortunately, Caesar wants to be God, and they want to take everything that we have. Well, be that as it may, how about loopholes? Tax reform proponents also complain that the current tax code contains too many loopholes that cause economic distortions, inefficiencies, etc. Well, it's true that the current tax system promotes inefficiency, but this is caused by the income tax itself, not the loopholes. Conversely, loopholes actually promote economic efficiency by giving taxpayers the ability to spend more of their money the way they prefer rather than allowing politicians to spend it for them. Economist Thomas DeLorenzo, we've reviewed his material on this program before. He put it this way, private individuals always spend their own money more efficiently than government bureaucrats do. Now, how about as a political weapon? We've talked about that just a few moments ago. Some have expressed concerns that the use of President Trump's tax returns as a part of the Democrat and deep state effort to discredit him, this will set a dangerous precedent that will lead to an increased use of tax information as a political weapon. The sad fact is, ladies and gentlemen, ever since its creation, politicians have utilized the IRS as a tool for punishing political opponents. FDR is the prime example of it. As an IRS, IRS agent told the head of a conservative organization who was being audited after calling for the impeachment of then-President Bill Clinton, they said to them, and this is an IRS agent speaking now to this conservative organization, what do you expect when you target the president? This is what's going on in our country right now. The major problem with the income tax and the reason that it must be eliminated, not merely reformed, not merely closing loopholes is that it is rooted in the idea that the government has first claim on our income, and that is not true. As a Christian, it is God who has the first claim on it. But under socialism, the government plays as if it is God. So this idea, that is, that the government has first claim on your income, is incompatible with a free society. Furthermore, the income tax must be repealed because the force of the IRS, along with the fraud of the Federal Reserve, is one of the two foundations of a welfare warfare state that erodes our liberty and prosperity. The only way to avoid 1984 is to repeal 1913. So writes Ron Paul. Now, <clears throat> Before we leave, I do want to change topics just in brief. And I think this is, 
this is so indicative. Of, I mean, how many minutes do I have? I mean, it's just four, four minutes here. As you know, what happened this week, we had the airlines just absolutely shutting down for a particular, um, particular day. I think it was Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, this is, this is so indicative of an outrageously bloated government that is out of control. Pilots are being, are, they're just fed up with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. They have a woke 2023 budget that invests millions in inclusion and environmental justice initiatives after the air travel industry experienced major system shutdowns on Wednesday. It was Wednesday. This is from a Fox News article. that caused all the domestic flights to be grounded for several hours. The FAA's 2023 budget framework includes investments in environmental justice and an additional $20 million above the 2021 enacted level for the Office of Secretary to lead the Department of Transportation's efforts to promote equity and inclusion. After the FAA had serious system failures that caused all flights to be grounded on Wednesday for the first time since 9-11, Fox News Digital reached out to pilots and asked their opinion on the administration's 2023 budget that prioritized inclusion and climate change while the technological infrastructure apparently needed work. And this is why I wanted to get to this. I want you to listen to these pilots when they talk about what what has taken place here. I'm sorry, it's not uh, not one of the, the uh, pilots, but it is an aviation lawyer told Fox News Digital in an exclusive statement. I want you to listen to this. This His name is Sal Lagonia. He points out that in December 2021, the FAA under Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg changed the notice to airmen that's the acronym, NOTAM, to Notice to Air Missions, preserving the same acronym, because they, they don't like air men. They want men and women. They just have to do this. In an effort to have more inclusive language, after the NOTAM systems crashed earlier this week, the DOT fell under fire for focusing on staying woke rather than addressing other transportation issues. In other words, Pete Buttigieg is trying to get it all politically correct and line it up just like the racist bridges that we have supposedly and he's trying to trying to make this so less racist and less sexist and so he changes everything up and that's what they use their money for so here is sal lagonia just look at the change as to what notem stands for it has been notices to airmen for many years recently the agency spent a great deal of money and effort to take the word man out of the title instead call it notices to air missions documents had to be changed to the new name Spend that effort and money on bolstering the system that makes that keeps the flying safe. Such an important system needs to work. Technology is great until it stops working. As a pilot, we have backup plans for how we plan such flights. The agency needs to behave similarly by having backup upon backup, Lagonia stressed. Speaking about the importance of the agency preparing for these types of situations going forward. Because of budgetary concerns and flexibility of budget, this tech refresh has been pushed off a source familiar with FAA operations told CNN. I assume now they're going to be actually find money to do it. The FAA's infrastructure is a lot more than just brick and mortar. In other words, according and under the leadership of Pete Buttigieg, the FAA spending money on making it inclusion on diversity and inclusion 
and making it all politically correct instead of upgrading the system. And that is in part why we have such breakdowns in the technology regarding the FAA this last Wednesday. It's absolutely incredible, the incompetence of this administration. And absolutely, absolutely incredible. Now, I wanted to get to several other things regarding the EPA, Joe Biden's after all waters of the United States. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. But I want you to pay attention to what's going on regarding the income tax and support the Republican effort to get rid of the income tax and the IRS. 